Hi everyone, welcome to the podcast. I'm joined today with Andrea Filippi, who works for Peace for Women across the globe. Hi Andrea, thank you so much for joining us. Hi Marnie, thanks for having me. Yeah, thanks. So um, I hope that maybe we could start off with, you could tell us a little bit about what Peace for Women across the globe are all about, a little bit about your origin story and how you got involved. Yeah, sure. So I work as a programs and advocacy officer at Peace Women across the globe. Previously, I worked as a research assistant and also for a few NGOs in the fields of gender sensitive migration politics, anti-racism and feminist peace work. I studied social anthropology first at the University of Zurich and then in Birzeit, Palestine. And I then did my master's degree at SOAS in London. And Peace Women Across the Globe is a feminist peace organization based in Bern in Switzerland. The organization seeks to support, empower and connect women across the the globe, enabling them to participate in peace processes, claim their rights and contribute to the creation of a peaceful world. Through our global network and also in collaboration with partner organizations, we implement projects that promote women's participation in peace processes and also um, at the same time engage in advocacy work. And we do our work based on human rights standards and based on a positive and holistic understanding of peace. So the the way in which this organization um, came into being is that it's based on the initiative 1000 Women for the Nobel Peace Prize. This was sort of a campaign um, in which 1000 women were collectively nominated for the Nobel Peace Prize in 2005, sort of as representatives are to symbolize the work of the many peace activists globally who are often invisibilized. These 1000 women didn't win the prize, but this campaign developed into the organization that we are today, Peace Women Across the Globe. Wow, amazing. Thank (laughs) you so much for that brief introduction. Um, Welcome. I think it's incredible what you guys do, and I'm really excited to talk about some of your projects. and kind of starting mm-hmm. from that basis as well, starting from, you know, originally empowering, um, you know, looking at incredible women who empower so many women, so many people across the globe, mm-hmm. and then actually mm-hmm. realizing that you gained a lot of traction and that mm-hmm. you could actually work on the ground in a lot of countries and make a real influence, a real difference, and do mm-hmm. something that I actually feel like is, is very original. And I feel like a lot of other people think is happening but not on this kind of ground level that you guys do and we'll talk a little bit about that in a second Mm -hmm. so um Mm -hmm. thank you again for coming today I think this is going to be really interesting to (laughs) chat about so I kind of want to start off with um obviously very um you know talked about at the moment um the conflict in Ukraine and what you guys are talk chat us through a little bit about what what peace women across the globe have been doing the last couple of years in ukraine and then obviously mm-hmm. you've made a recently on the 8th of march you made an appeal for peace and demilitarization um and what you're kind of up to now because um just to give everyone a little bit back um andrea and i've been trying to sort this out this podcast out for a very long time but with everything that's going on it's ob- she's obviously been very busy <laughs> very tricky um so can you chat us through some of that then mm-hmm. no sure yeah so Actually, our projects in Ukraine, we only have them since a relatively um, short time. Mm -hmm. So we started with a pilot phase last year in 2021. 
and we work with a local organization who then work themselves with other smaller organizations. And actually what we used in that project was our women's peace table method that I maybe I will talk about it later as well. Um, we also use that method in our projects in Colombia, Nepal and the Philippines. So um, anyway, in last year's project, um, it was all about, about security. So we asked participants of the women's peace tables, which were women from local communities in East Ukraine. We asked them, what makes you feel unsafe and what is missing so that you could actually feel safe? And um, often they spoke about socioeconomic conditions, education, health, access to resources and services, etc. What we then did or wanted to do with our partner was to, to further de develop this um, project into a new project this year, which was actually about to start. And in this new project, the idea was to um, together look for ways um, to create the security that the participants would want for themselves. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, given the current uh, um, war situation, the projects or all activities are on hold. And actually our project coordinator um, now had to flee. She was in Kharkiv and is now in Poland uh, while her husband actually had to stay, had to stay oh, in gosh. Ukraine. Yeah. So um, yeah, everything is on hold. And what we are doing now at the moment is um, uh, we, are we are starting an emergency fund for women in areas very much affected by the war, which will be coordinated by our project coordinator just from sort of from far away. Yeah, so that's, that's okay. basically the situation right and now. And those funds, what mm -hmm. are they going towards? Um, basically, um, whatever, whatever the women who are really affected mm -hmm. by the conflict need. So this could be also like, um, you know, like uh, daily, like things for the, just the daily life. Um, okay. But also then, for example, what is, what is an issue is also uh, internet connection, just to stay connected to, to relatives mm. and the world. So we are also gonna, <clears throat> um, gonna provide that. And also it's, it's, uh, it's really focused on, on what they want. So I'm, I'm not sure now, and I think our project coordinator will, will work it out with, with women who are still, who are still there, what they, what they most need right now. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, and in terms of how your organization works, Mm -hmm. Do you, obviously you provide this amazing network for women to come together. And again, you mentioned the um, women's peace, um, their peace tables. Peace tables, yeah. Um, and then, it, so in terms of how it functions, do you mostly work with organisations that are more local to help coordinate them? Like how, how does it work on a, on a ground level? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, we always work with local organizations. And in the case of Ukraine, it's a little special because we have uh, a project coordinator who, who is employed at an organization, but then coordinates all the, the smaller projects that are with other organizations. 
And uh, in other places, we just work with, let's say, one organization who implements one project. So we never, um, we never implement the projects um, ourselves. It's always okay. local organizations. And do these organizations reach out to you or do you have a team who pick them? How do you, what's the process? How do you decide? So I'm guessing you know, across a vast number of countries and a vast mm-hmm. number of places, they're trying to, there will be organizations trying to implement similar things. How mm-hmm. do you choose which countries you focus on, which projects you want to focus on, which organizations? Um, how does that work? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> So this depends a bit, but um, most of our projects kind of developed um, in a way naturally from our network. So the network is based on these 1,000 women who were nominated okay. for the oh, Nobel okay. Peace Prize, but obviously was was further, I mean, it grew since then, and it's some of these women also passed away and others joined other people. So it's sort of, yes, yeah, so, sort of naturally developed and um with the Women's Peace Table program that was started in 2015. We worked with lots of organizations who, who did Women's Peace Tables, which were more organized like a campaign. And from, from that, um, we kind of further developed some of the, of the Peace Tables with partners that also wanted something more in-depth and not just a um, sort of one-off event. So... That's usually how it works. And in the case of Ukraine, um, or generally, we also um, strategically decide what would make sense for us as an organization, uh, which contexts do we see that we could make a difference as well. Interesting. Yeah, that's Um, how it it works. So we've mentioned this before, but what could you explain to everyone what the women's peace table, what this program, what this method is and, and how it functions mm-hmm. um sure yeah so um as i just said it started in 2015 as a yeah as a sort of in a campaign structure where it was more like one-off events um that had the aim to strengthen women's participation in peace processes and function sort of as like a parallel structure to inform formal peace processes and after a couple of years uh, we then um, further developed um, this method and designed a longer term women's peace table program together as I said with partners who who wanted also to to go more in depth and also implementing what we learned in the period before and especially during um, in this uh, longer term uh, women's peace table program the idea is that the peace tables provide space and time for exchange for in-depth in- exchange that they also provide safer spaces to exchange about um, things also experienced for example during conflicts and wars they also include workshops and trainings for example on transitional justice mechanisms and also provide a space to jointly develop advocacy strategies Mm-hmm. And the way we do it, for example, in the program in Nepal, the Philippines and Colombia, is that we are our partners organize these women's peace tables on a local level, mostly also um, in remote areas, and then bring together people from all the women's peace tables 
in one national women's peace tables to sort of convey the the concerns and um, uh, needs that participants in the more remote areas also had. And these national women's peace tables um, have also the participation of decision makers and stakeholders and are accompanied with advocacy towards women's meaningful participation and also the promotion of change on a structural level. And like that, we kind of want to bring bring together, like provide on the one hand a safer space for exchange and also training. On the other hand, bring concerns that, that people have also to decision makers who can then also implement it in their politics. Wow, okay. Yeah. Um, <laughs> um, obviously a lot to tackle. Um, do you, with certain organizations that you work with, do you find that they focus on more specific or or one of the one or two of those things, or do you find that in order to tackle one or two of the things, you kind of have to tackle all of it all together? It's it's about a general change of mindset, and uh, working on a functional level requires that you also have a change in how people think and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, I wonder if I can generalize. I think um, I think both is needed, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the same organization okay. doing both. Mm-hmm. I think it's important that there are spaces like these sorts of safer spaces, like um, let's say in in a context where there has been a lot of, for example, sexual violence during conflict, it's important also to to have a space where people who were affected by this kind of violence can also actually talk about it and have it acknowledged as well. Mm-hmm. But then if we want to to bring concerns or um, make peace processes or transitional justice processes more sensitive to issues like that, we also need to have this like transfer to decision makers. Mm-hmm. So I think there both is needed, but it doesn't necessarily have the same have right. to be the same organization. But often, often we we do work with an organization who is doing both. Okay, interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, and over the past few years, obviously with COVID, how has that worked in terms of um, bringing women together in a safe space? Um, mm-hmm. We could talk a little bit about your your more digitalizing your movement, but how have you been coping, and how have you been trying to continue implementing the incredible things that you're doing um, through the last, like the the pandemic years and and how that's all worked. Mm -hmm. Obviously the the pandemic has been a huge challenge for for our partners. And uh, many of the projects were also on hold because of the pandemic or had to be adapted. And what we, what we learned or our partners learned and transferred to us was that, I mean, part of the activities could still take place and could also be transferred to online spaces. Um, Then they were kind of really trying to wait for for periods where it was again possible to maybe meet in smaller groups Mm -hmm. 
etc. So they, for example, many of our partners organized smaller women's peace tables, but more of them and held their national women's peace tables who are usually larger events and held them online. And it actually turned out that it worked pretty well. But what we also realized um, was that during the pandemic, this kind of um, switching to online spaces, it doesn't work for everyone. So um, for example, you need um, a phone or a computer mm. and that's one thing. And then there needs to be electricity and internet connection. And it just doesn't, I mean, it kind of cuts off more remote areas almost automatically. So that's, that's a huge problem. Um, it's often also if, if there is um, internet through the, through the mobile network, then it's expensive to, to access it. But this is something that we then included in the further planning of the, of the online peace tables that we had to think about that actually, mm -hmm. that um, it's, it, it costs to, to um, be online, it costs and we have to provide that. Um, another issue was that during the pandemic, we, we experienced that many women had to, had to um, take on even more care responsibilities than that they already had before. And because of that also had less time to participate in, in those kind of political spaces mm. than before. Yeah, no, yeah, that mm. last thing obviously is very thought provoking. Um, okay. So how do you, obviously you've only been going for, especially these women's peace tables have only been going on for the last five, 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 six, seven years, right? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, have you had any indication of, um, like how do you measure the impact that you're making? Um, have you been able to see in the longer term project that you've had, any impact or do you find yeah how, how do you find that works or is it not really a linear process where you can just have progress there will always be you know as in starting things off and then suddenly you know a whole thing then you know then you have to retreat and and, mm. and change your plans and obviously covid you have to change your plans again mm. how, how do you as an organization tend to measure your impact mm-hmm so, of course, as an organization working in conflict-affected areas, we always have to be very flexible and our partners have to be very flexible and adapt to, to the situation, the situation in terms of conflict. But then, yeah, also the pandemic was another crisis that sort of came on top of it. So the, it's, not, it's not a linear process at all. Um, anyway... I think peace building is, is never a linear process and they are like, uh, there is progress and then back steps, et cetera. But um, in our longer um, term project, um, we, we do have indicators and, and measure the changes and we can, we can observe the impact maybe on a smaller scale and the larger sort of impact we wanna have. This is obviously always harder to measure Mm. Um, yeah always but it's like something we pay attention to and something that is also not that easy if you if you want to to measure if you want to bring about social change but yeah. um, but what we can say for example um, in the project in Colombia 
our um, partner organization worked closely with the Colombian um, Truth Commission, especially with the gender working group. And the idea was to, the gender working group um, wanted to collect testimonies of um, women and queer people affected by the war. And um, our partner organization worked together with them and um, kind of managed to bring perspectives of people from remote areas as well to the Truth Commission. And the Truth Commission had the kind of the benefit of that connection because it's always really hard to to actually reach um, people who are, for example, um, in remote areas. So that's that's um, one like let's say impact that we that yeah. we can see that's really a, a big success. I think that that's our a- partner worked together with the Truth Commission and like that um, the testimonies could really be be actually recorded for the report that is gonna be published uh, this year in June. I think. Oh wow! Okay, yeah. that's really that sounds incredible um, and must have been such an an incredible feeling for you as an organization <laughs> to be able to see the real impact that you're making because I think obviously with a lot of things that you're doing you know you can look at okay how much is you know um, gendered violence decreasing um, how many women's peace tables have we arranged Um, you can look at lots of things like that what is the percentage of Mm -hmm. women who participate in peace negotiations in this in this country but a lot of what you're trying to achieve does feel like um not something that that can be very easily measured mm-hmm. and that you can physically you know put a statistic to it mm-hmm. but it is something that you're kind of changing a it's a social change which obviously happens over a, a, usually a quite a long period of time and it's quite slow moving and you kind of have to push it's like pushing a thing up up a hill sometimes <laughs> exactly um, so to be mm-hmm. able to be like okay look this is we can quantify we can say this is literally we can see the improvements before our eyes must be just such an incredible feeling no that i mean it is yeah and we are also really impressed by our partner organization who who actually did that work yeah 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 um mm-hmm. and maybe i can tell you like quickly one thing about that mm-hmm. project which is actually really interesting i find so part of this um women's peace table program in Nepal, Colombia and the Philippines was also a joint learning process among the implementing organizations um, together with peace women across the globe, um, where the aim was an exchange of experiences. And um, yeah, so what we did as part of this joint learning process is that we um, wrote together, all together, a publication where we included lessons learned, good practices, examples, etc. Because what we realized that even if contexts are really different, there are still similarities and it could even be useful to replicate this in other contexts. So we have, um, we have this publication that you can also find our, on our uh, website. And I think this is, I have the feeling it's, it's pretty useful. It could be pretty useful mm. also for other contexts and includes many, many good examples, but also challenges that uh we faced that's incredible okay yeah we'll definitely include um a link to that in the bio um i 
this is the thing that I really like about the development sphere and I like about, um, you know, NGOs working on these international projects. And this is something that I'm so glad that you guys are doing is this um, exchange of knowledge, because mm-hmm. what you've got, what, what you've got in that publication is a, com- a complete, you know, um, treasure trove of, of knowledge that you've shown that, OK, these this is what works. This is what the challenges are faced by certain individuals by women by you know members of the you know lgbtq community these are what the problems Mm -hmm. that people have these are this is what people's experiences are and look there look there are similarities across you know from colombia to nepal complete two completely different places and you've got this wealth of knowledge and then the fact that Mm -hmm. you're then obviously you know a lot of time for you guys spent you know putting that all together getting all the testimonies and then publishing that and then then an organization who's trying to achieve a similar thing that you guys are or or maybe on a smaller level can then read that and go okay okay we can use that knowledge or we can adapt that that's worked there let's put that whatever in Kenya and and I just think that that is incredible that you guys are doing that I think that's um and I and I think that 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 seems like quite a central idea within your organization which is this exchange of of wisdom Mm, yeah yeah this is this is sort of one of the cornerstones of our organization the exchange of of knowledge yeah and also you know Mm -hmm. as a a a woman reading that uh, who's trying to start up an organization in -hmm. a certain part of the world they will not feel as alone and i really like this this network that you've built Mm-hmm. that connects women and um you know individuals in the community um to a to a greater global level um mm-hmm. driven forward by these inspirational women who have who you know you're a thousand women that you have um that you nominated and and continue to to nominate um i just think what you guys do what you guys do are, are doing is incredible <laughs> thank you <laughs> um maybe we could talk a little bit mm-hmm. briefly about your Palestine project, because um, mm-hmm. this sounds really interesting. It's just, just starting to get off the ground, if I'm right. But um, maybe you could talk briefly about what kind of things you're getting up to there. Yeah, sure. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. As you said, we, we've just started that um, program in Palestine, actually, last year with pilot projects. And we started to work with three partner organizations. And actually, what we want to um, achieve or what we want to work towards with our program is um, in Palestine is that we seek to counter the increasing social, political and also geographical fragmentation of Palestinian society and also support Palestinian visions for a feminist and justice-driven future. Another thing we are trying to do is that we, with our partner organizations, we want to bring together and empower women and queer people who are affected by violence and gender injustices across um, fragmented um, borders to become more aware of their rights and claim them. And actually a thing that we, we've also observed um, in our program in, uh, with our partners in Colombia, Nepal and the Philippines is that uh, feminists are women's um, civil society movement is really important for making transitional justice processes or peace processes more gender sensitive. So actually, um, in view of a potential later 
peace process in Palestine and the gender sensitivity of such a potential process, it's really important to, to in, already in advance um, strengthen uh, the feminist um, movement in Palestine. So that actually once there would be such a process, there is a civil society that is committed to arguing for the inclusion of gender issues in such formal processes. So since there is um, shrinking space for civil society in Israel-Palestine since a long time, we actually want to also with our program um, work um, towards making those spaces actually are protecting those spaces and extending them because access to spaces is so important to engage politically actually but we've also realized um, this is not um, exclusive to palestine but also um, we can observe it a lot there is that online spaces play a central role actually for as places of exchange and activism for women and the lgbtiq community Nevertheless, um, these online spaces are increasingly becoming or are already unsafe, which is really to the disadvantage of Palestinians who organize, for example, via social media. So this is also something we want to um, support with our projects, with our partners to actually protect those spaces and expand them and also make online spaces more safe. So basically our program has, has three aims so one the first aim is that we want to counteract the fragmentation within palestinian society and then we also want to support our partners in strengthening their communities so they become more aware of their rights and can also stand up um, for them and claim them demand them and another thing that i would like to mention what we really find important is that we want to um, support Palestinian narratives and visions for a, for a future, for a feminist future that would be characterized by a transformation towards comprehensive justice for everyone. I think, I think in, all, um, in all situations and also in, <coughs> in Palestine, it's so important to have visions, to not sort of be stuck in a situation where you where you think it's so hopeless maybe um, but actually have visions that are locally owned and developed and not imposed from someone else to have an utopia a vision for a future um, to to continue working a vision for a future where there would be justice for everyone mm. so this well, is what we would like to yeah. to contribute to as well at all south um I think that it's a really interesting um, part of developing women's rights on an international level is this idea, and I've come across this quite a lot, which is um, making sure that you, and I think you guys um, are, are it, it's it, because you're do, you're working with organisations that are local on the ground. Mm -hmm. it, there's a bit of a difference, but it, there is an issue with the idea of. You know, as a you know a Swiss organization, you don't want to be going to a country and imposing what you think women should want. Do, do you see what I mean? And I think that's yeah, a really great point yeah. that you've made. Mm -hmm. You don't want mm -hmm. to go in and say, "Well, you shouldn't want that. You should want this," um, mm -hmm. because the kind of mixture of issues with that. 
um, like imposition of like Western values and and all these other things. Yeah, and absolutely. like this, I really love this idea that it's their narrative. Obviously, that mm-hmm. it's what they want to do. Um, and you're going, okay, great. That's what you want. That's what you need. We'll assist mm-hmm. you with that in any way. Um, mm-hmm. And you and you guys aren't, you know, going in and you know all storms are blazing. Going, this is what you should do. Um, mm-hmm. You're very much listening to people's needs and what they what they see for their futures mm-hmm. and that's so lovely that you are working with that do you ever find mm-hmm. there's a bit of a um a bit of a struggle with that where you sometimes find that there's um maybe you do you, do you ever find that there are challenges within that mm-hmm. um yeah actually this was a really important part of starting the work in palestine so what we did was also that we did an assessment and tried to find out what is or what are things um, that Palestinian civil society wants to work on or are working on and in what ways could we support that. And one huge critique um, of the Palestinian civil society towards um, international organizations is that there is this Mm, this it's this term called NGOization. Everything is professionalized. It's depoliticized, and international organizations often have been supporting projects with priorities that the international organizations set, and not the Palestinian civil society organizations or movements. And um, Palestinian civil society hasn't been able to be as political as they might have wanted to be. Um, This was a strong critique and we really didn't want to repeat that mistake in our work. Mm -hmm. So this was something really important for us. Um, And it's something we try to do everywhere in our projects. We don't don't go and say, ah, we think you should do this and that. We work with, with local organizations, with local feminist organizations who who then develop their own project. Um, however, I think, as you said, there is a tension and it's not, it's not that easy and we have, mm-hmm. to, we have to always be aware of our, of our roles and also our positionalities and stay self-reflexive because I, I don't think it's, there, there always stays that tension that we are an organization um, based, based in Switzerland. So this doesn't just go away. So. We have to keep that in mind and continuously self-reflect on what that means for our work and what this uh, positionality means actually for for the work we do. I think that that's such a good point. I think it's essential. And I think this, I've never come across that term NGOism before, but I think that's really interesting. Um, Mm -hmm. And as um, working, you know, in countries like Switzerland or um, Mm -hmm. here in the UK, just mm-hmm. making sure that and on, on an international level in, in the development sphere, just making sure that you're obviously checking your bias and checking, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what your opinions are and what you're bringing, because you inevitably will bring those to the table. Um, totally, but I think yeah. that, yeah, listening and to what, you know, people say is mm-hmm. essential. And, and that seems like something that you guys um, not only are doing, but as a central value to your organization, but acknowledging that tension there as well, I think Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. is, is really important. Um, Mm -hmm. and in terms of in Switzerland itself, are Mm -hmm. you running any projects there? Um, yeah, we have, 
I mean, so, sort of. So we don't have um, projects in that sense, but we are also working in Switzerland mostly more on an advocacy level. So what we do is we do contribute to CEDAW shadow reporting. Um, and then we have um, one main project, <clears throat> which is like a sort of a civil society follow-up or contribution to the implementation of UN Security Council Resolution 1325 on Women, Peace, Security. So there we are, we are actively contributing to, to the Swiss National Action Plan, but also having a critical distance to it and um, bringing in our priorities as well. So that's another thing we do in Switzerland. And then what we also do is um, smaller campaigns. So um, I think actually you saw it on our website that we we are supporting or fighting against initiatives. So there was the uh, Responsible Business Initiative, which was um, something we actively supported because it exactly tackles this, this issue that we in Switzerland or companies large corporations registered in, in Switzerland have a role in in conflicts worldwide and in human rights violations. So I think it's also our responsibility mm. to, to, to work towards uh, Swiss legislation doing something against that. So that's one example. Uh, another example was um, last year, beginning of last year, there was an initiative um, by the um, far right in Switzerland, which called for a ban of full mm -hmm. um, facial covering, and which we fought against because it's uh, one of these typical typical examples where um, suddenly the right um, is using uh, arguments that could be seen as feminist, mm. um, but that are actually really racist and directed towards towards Muslims in yeah. general and Muslim women. So um, yeah, there is this, this term to describe that femonationalism. Mm. So that's that's really something that we are we are um, working against as well and that we have to that we it's it's an aim that we have to also take our responsibility that we have in Switzerland, for example, with in relation to this um, this uh, responsible business mm. initiative that I said, or if if such things happen, like this really racist campaign or initiative to 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 stand up and say this is really not this is really not feminist. This is racist. Yeah. What you're doing? So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I think that's. Um, I I was I was that was what I was referring to when I mm. I wanted you to. To mm -hmm. discuss that because I think that's a really um, I didn't I, I I didn't hear about this um, in the news but I do think that this is um, over here but I do think that this is a really interesting case because I'm mm -hmm. sure that people probably came to you maybe or to your organisation contacted you and said you know you guys are meant to be a feminist organisation <laughs> all this stuff mm -hmm. and you're there going no just <laughs> understand what's going on here and how awful something like this would be and what it actually is standing for, which is not something that we stand for. 
completely um, yeah. and I think that that's mm-hmm. really interesting mm-hmm. and again with your responsible business initiative um you're holding your government accountable as well um mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. not just only I you know going into <laughs> other um com- mm-hmm. you know countries and companies and going mm-hmm. you need to change this you know acknowledging that there are things mm-hmm. in your own backyard that you could help out with and help exactly, support yeah. and change mm-hmm. and make a difference with that will help people on an international level yeah. particularly because you're mm-hmm. so you know personally involved um you know you're so involved as an organization in ukraine um mm-hmm. that this is something really uh, that you need to be you know making your government um you know because switzerland are, um you know need to be held accountable for mm-hmm. any of their actions completely um, and like exportation yeah. of weapons and things like that so. exactly yeah that's actually another point i i wanted to mention um it's a really important thing for us is also to our call um, for demilitarization. Um, so Switzerland is also exporting weapons to, to conflict zones or mili- let's say military goods that are sometimes not exactly weapons but can be used, um, um, can still be used, for example, as, as um, like parts of planes or things like that are dual use goods, for example. Um, and actually um, right now with the war in Ukraine, happening what we see in in all over europe and the us as well is that politicians already again call for increased armament for example in switzerland um, in the parliament the debate is well underway and germany also already announced i think already two weeks ago or something that 100 billion euros additionally will be spent um, for armament oh my god and yeah and this is really something uh, sort of a core of our work so we cannot um, be engaged in peace work and not fight against um, arms trade, for example, um, of Switzerland and other um, other Western states. Um, and at the same time, um, what we see is this this discourse, this militarization, um, this discourse that is again further going into militarization. And for us, it's just really important. Um, an important point that actually um, from a feminist perspective more armament and more militarization doesn't actually lead to more security um, for individuals but rather to more escalation Mm. and more violence so this can be like on the larger and the larger um, level it's just this equation more arms are more security this is just completely false Um, and also the discourses of militarization. I mean, in the end, these discourses and narratives, they shape and create realities and, and shape also follow-up actions, sort of on, on the larger level. Um, but then at the same time, we have also um, like a spread of, for example, um, a spread of small arms and light weapons. And these are um, incredibly linked to sexualized and gender-based violence. Okay. This could be during a conflict, but also after. So this is really important that we that we look at that because once you export weapons, you basically don't have any control over what. Over what... Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And weapons are always like, even if you if you would know what they are used for, our argument is that 
weapons are just always linked with violence. That's what they're made for. So you, you kind of promote also a culture of violence with that. Yeah. So this is, I think, really important if we want more security, especially for for women and also queer folks. It's really important to fight against militarization. Yeah, um, I really admire your consistency as an organization. I think that that's something that I wanted to point out. I think you you're obviously working on in specific countries um at the moment because you're you've you're quite relatively um young as an organization mm-hmm. and you, yeah. how, how many people work for work for your organization in terms of um not not the necessarily the, the organize the people the the smaller organizations that you help and you work with but in terms of your actual office in, in mm-hmm. switzerland mm-hmm. how many people are there in our actual office, we are only eight people. Yeah. <laughs> very small. Yeah, very small, yeah. Um, so I think the fact that you're going, not going, you know what, we can't fight all of these battles. Um, you're going, no, this is essential. And actually, we need to, mm-hmm. if we're going to say this over here, we've got to say over here as well. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that that's really important. Something else I wanted to ask you about earlier that I didn't um, mention mm-hmm. was in terms of your work in Palestine, working with um, like queer individuals and LGBTIQ communities. Mm-hmm. Um, is that a relatively new part of the, that your um, branch that your organization is extending, sending into? Um, yeah, that's, I mean, in Palestine anyway, we just started. Mm-hmm. And most of our projects focus on women. However, like for example, our partner organization in Colombia um, actively included members of the queer community. Okay. And then, uh, and then always, if you have women, there are always queer women yeah, among exactly, among, the, yeah. among those those women. So that's relatively new, yeah. And I mean, I I personally think that we also need to maybe go a bit beyond this gender binary and yeah. break this break this up a little yeah, no, <laughs> in the future i so. agree um I and what yeah. so in terms of i mean in terms of the future of what you would want for this organization um where where, where do you where do you see this the, what's your what's your your vision if we're talking about <laughs> visions that's a good question so actually for me I think I think what needs to be at the center is a feminist approach and a feminist vision that centers around questions of power which is in the end a feminist approach and develops from develops from from there so that's I think like I cannot it's hard to be very specific because it all depends on the project etc but as like a sort of global vision for the organization I think it's really important to keep that feminist approach and maybe strengthen it even mm-hmm. and go about all that we do with with this um with this feminist approach and also being aware that feminism there there are so many types of feminisms so mm. that's also we should keep keep this approach that we don't define what is feminism but there are so many different types of feminisms around the world but that we do have have that in common with our partners that we that we have a feminist approach and that we what we want is 
um, justice for everyone mm. and not only women but but um, everyone in all societies so so also other people who are marginalized um, that could be racialized uh, women for example Mm-hmm. Uh, people of diverse genders and sexualities, um, people with disabilities, people affected by poverty, um, while focusing in our work, um, it, it also makes sense to to continue working mainly with women. Yeah, completely. Mm-hmm. And I think actually, um, inadvertently, by obviously focusing on on women and and um, like you say, members of the LGBTIQ community is that, I mean, we're acknowledging here that um, the militarization of of places, like, you know, like we're mm-hmm. talking about like Palestine, this mm-hmm. produces very specific forms of masculinity and defines masculinity as um, a very aggressive, um, war-related thing, mm-hmm. so, what, what it means to be a man. And actually, Completely, yeah. um, and then with that, then promotes... Uh, mindset and and physical actions of of gender violence and all of the issues that come with that Mm -hmm. and actually by providing these these um, spaces for obviously women to come together and be involved in peace negotiations and everything that you're doing you are inadvertently then challenging those models of masculinity and therefore helping those men as well I suppose in in that in that sense so Mm -hmm. these these although it's a you know a feminist approach it helps everyone obviously um yeah, I feel exactly. like I'm not saying anything I'm not saying no, anything no, particularly no. revolutionary but um <laughs> I feel like everyone kind of would agree with this but yeah, I think that's your your feminist um kind of perspective is how you're it's the lens you're looking through but you're you're looking to build peace and, and help societies develop in general mm-hmm. and the way you're looking at that is through improving you know um women's lives in in certain areas and i think that that Mm -hmm. is is something that i think in a in development sphere Mm -hmm. that everyone's really clocking onto okay if we actually target you know our development and our strategies towards women in some capacity we can actually completely develop and improve the lives of everyone in a community or in a country or whatever completely yeah i i totally agree yeah, well, totally, and and on this all is linked um, linked to fighting patriarchy as such, and mm-hmm. this this will benefit everyone. I mean, it's not only women who would would uh, benefit from from a change, but everyone. Amazing. Um, well, thank you so much, um, Andrea. I I cannot. I, I enjoyed this conversation immensely. Um, Me you, too. What you so guys much, are doing Mom. is absolutely fascinating. What you as as an individual, one of one of eight. Um, is doing is just incredible and I really hope that this organization continues to expand continues to really make a a genuine impact in so many people's lives I really hope obviously everything um, works out with your project in Ukraine um, and and that your vision is is found I think (laughs) thanks so much that's really nice thank you Um, well yes and enjoy the rest of your afternoon you too and thanks very much for this talk thank you thank you